looks like the Forgotten Obelisk is taking a short rest after a rather difficult series of challenges in the labyrinthian halls of Lost Antiquity. Welcome back, adventure addicts, to the League of Ultimate Questing! My name is Kip Killigan, voice of the LUQ and servant of the Nexus Enterprise. With me, as always, is the double-decker Flexburger with a king-sized side of taters, Stormclad Thundertongue. It's always tough when a team like the FO's gotta choose between healing their wounded and stopping the next threat before it starts. Back-to-back -back traps, one team healer, and not enough specialty skills to go around. It's a classic Cablin's Coffin. Cablin's Coffin? What's that? Oh, you know. The old enigma. No right answer. Cablin's Coffin. Uh, that might be an adventurer thing. Uh, care to illuminate? Okay. So you and your friends are in a dusty old dungeon and you come across a metal coffin. No seam, no lid. Just looks like a coffin. Okay. You hear screams coming from the inside. Bad news in any dungeon setting. Maybe a trap. Maybe it's the real deal. Either way, you try to get to the bottom of it. So someone investigates. Problem is, the second they touch the thing, poof, they vanish. Oh no! And that's not the weirdest part. In their place, some adventurer appears, and they're like, I'm free at last! Right before they get all pruny and turn to dust. Dead. Crumbs. Well, that's awful! So it turns out the coffin traps one person inside and time doesn't pass. They're just trapped there forever. That is until someone touches it and then they take their place. But the time they spend in the box catches up with them and it's all over. So what do you do to free your friend? Find some peasant? Trick a bad guy into touching it? Take shifts? There's no real right answer, but it sure hurts to think about. Wow, that's quite the conundrum. I mean, personally, I'd just glove up and take a crowbar to that bad boy. But that might kill the poor sap inside. Luckily, it's just an old story. Not a real thing. I hope. Well, on the topic of difficult choices and dangerous scenarios, let's check back in with Immortal Dawn as they fight for their lives against a shadowy drow ambush as they navigate their way through the deadly Umbragia. Stay tuned! Mortal Dawn stand in the Glovnaya Flats, near the Kosnaya Yama, the Well of Bones. Archium has seen that it is empty, once filled with hundreds of draw of corpses, now just bubbling acid. Dragging feet and groaning voices emerge from the shadows of the cavern surrounding you, and a volley of finely made arrows fire down near the tops of the stone columns that lift the ceiling high. Three large reptilian creatures come into view. Large quadrupeds with riders on their back. They move down the sheer stone perfectly, their feet adhering to it. The riders on their back pulling back arrows into their long, twisted black bows. Dressed in the armor of House Bon. Behind each rider, there is another body. One not wearing armor. They look like slaves who have been chained up. Attached to the mount. Shackled and bound. Let's roll initiative. Ooh, okay. Hey! That's a big fat 15 for Artyom. Ooh, that is a 12 for Christ. 10 for Arvid. 16 for Harifax. Nice. We are all very in the middle. <laughs> all right, we will begin with Harifax. What is this? bizarro world that we have entered in which I go first in the initiative order. <laughs> <laughs> the Drexian shift really mixed things up. Mm -hmm. What you see is near a dozen corpses shambling towards you, animated with necrotic magic. They look like at some point they were wearing the clothing of Drav workers. Most of their flesh has been melted away. 
and the riders move down the sheer faces of the stone pillars towards you while firing arrows. Okay. We only see these three contacts right Mm now. All right. As a bonus action, I'm going to cast Shillelagh on my staff. Mm Mm-hmm. And I am going to... How far away are they from us? The riders are about 60 feet up. Okay. And they're descending towards us? Slowly. But they have ranged weapons. Yes. So they don't actually have to close to melee. That doesn't look like it. All right. Then I am going to cast Toll the Dead on the nearest one. And I want this big resonant boom to just echo from the acid pit where these bodies are meant to be buried. And just reverb, explode up, and blast one of these bad boys. You're targeting the rider? Yes. Okay. Each each one has three potential targets, right? Beast, rider, and chained on slave? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, I'll target the rider. The one closest to you? Uh, Yeah, I think the one closest to me. Word. Uh, I don't roll this attack. He makes a save. It's a wisdom save? Yep. Is I- it an enchantment Bell. Told the dead? No. Okay. Looking at a 10. Okay. That is a fail. It's going to take some necrotic damage. I'm going to assume it is undamaged at the beginning of this combat, right? Accurate. All right. Figured Just I... off screen, somebody kicked him in the shin. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're undead, right? Like, maybe maybe like it, like... Oh, the know. riders don't appear to be undead. Oh, the riders don't appear to be undead. They oh. appear to be dark elves in fine armor. Okay. Wow, that's 15 damage. Yay! On 2d8. So. Wow, look yeah. at you. Busting out them cantrips. Yeah, next next turn I'll roll 2d12 and I'll get three. <laughs> it's a cantrip, not a cantrip. Right, yeah, that's my turn. <laughs> do, I, do, I, do, I trip it, do I trip it up and knock Don't it off die. the wall? Unfortunately not. All right. These are highly skilled riders. That brings us to the enemies who are attempting to ambush you to the best of their ability. The ghouls shuffle forward, moving at the speed of corpses, which is not terribly fast. (laughs) Several of them close in the gap near the Well of Bones, near Zmaya and Artyom. Two of them actually manage to make it into base contact with Chris Zagrand, where they will attempt to pummel you with their undead drav fists. Coming at you with two nines. That misses... They they feebly pound against the crystalline energy that hums around you. Get off me! Uh. And you can see on their shoulders, just barely left from the decayed flesh, is an arachnoid sigil where they have been branded. The reptilian creatures that the riders are upon almost slither down the walls, moving back and forth in a serpentine motion. As the riders pull their bows back, you can see the slaves who are attached to the saddles are actually doing most of the steering while the riders can offensively attack. And they are going to fire three shots down upon the Mortal Dawn. One of them coming in at Artyom. One of them at Arvid, who seems to be a large threat. And one of them at Morty. <gasps> Not my boy! No! I got bad news for you. Drava Heartless. At Artyom, a critical. Beautiful. Oh, wow. shit. I almost forgot to do my wording oh, clear. Well, I finally got to hit you. I'm going to take, take, take it. I'll take it. <laughs> coming in at Arvid. Ouchie. Ooh, that's not great. Uh, 12 misses. And against Morty, the pup, that is an 18 or 20. So that's a hit. One black arrow pierces into Morty's flank and he lets out a yelp. And the one coming in at Artyom uh, deals 21 piercing damage. Yep. Oof. You can feel a little bit of it is just poison. You recognize it instantly. 
doesn't seem like it has any lasting effects. It's meant to make the wound hurt. Mm-hmm. As they begin to come into sight, one thing you notice about each of the riders immediately is that all of them are wearing a very familiar looking pair of goggles. Model Volkovs. <laughs> that will bring us to Artyom. Beautiful. Question, is she combative? She seems like she's concerned by these corpses coming towards her, but she didn't strike out at you or anything. Okay. Is it okay if I grab her and pull her back with me? Sure. Cool. I kind of grab her across like the chest area and I slowly pull her towards the rest of the group. Mm-hmm. As I do, I whisper into her ear, I want you to witness the awesome power of the sun. And then I am going to drop a channel divinity into Ooh. destroy undead. Ooh. So the basic deal here is that they're going to be rolling a saving throw mm-hmm. against my turn undead feature. Yes. And if they fail and they are CR one or lower, they are destroyed. And oh. if they are higher than that, then they run screaming. Okay. And if they succeed, neither of those things happen. I think so. And this is a constitution save. I believe so. Okay. So we're just going to go around the board. Uh, what is your DC for Channel Divinity? That should be 16. Okay. 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. One succeeded. Oh. <laughs> Okay, I was sitting there just Jesus. fucking ball, like bullets of sweat thinking like they're not none of them are gonna get hit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was right nice. there with you. Nope. Eleven out of twelve failed the DC sixteen. God damn. Yay. So with that, there is the sound of snapping, both physically and magically, as some kind of seal is broken. And the bodies turn to dust. It seems like years of acid begin to catch up with them as they melt. And dissolve parts of them caught by the subterranean breeze and blown away. And actually, it was the very last one that made it save. So it's easy to say that that guy with the torch is the one that's still living. You hear Znaya reply, They will take you to Vornoi. Where do you think we're going? And that brings us to Christ. Hmm. So there's a guy right in front of me, correct? charging towards me he's at 25 feet up kind of climbing down a pillar like a sheer surface awesome so i can definitely feel them with my tremor sense correct the one closest yes so i know where to target and as i'm like trying to feel out where they will be i'm gonna take that opportunity to activate my diamond hide mm-hmm. and then i'm gonna unleash a hypnotic pattern at them all right what is the area of effect of hypnotic pattern 30 foot cube 30 foot cube so you can basically target a rider and his mount Yes. Okay. They're both going to make a wisdom saving throw to try to maintain and not just be transfixed by your illusion. Those two fail. Yes. So they freeze mid descent and you can see this lizard's reptilian eyes are almost like swirling with colors as it's staring out at this strange illusory glyph floating in the air. And the rider actually like pulls his visor back to stare at it. (laughs) That's amazing. I love that. Are all of your people moths? <laughs> that brings us to Arvid the boy. Arvid the boy. So the one that is furthest from us is the one that was not entranced by this hypnotic. The one that's closest to me as the DM and his mount are transfixed. Those are the only ones affected by the hypnotic. Oh, okay. So those other two are not. All right. I want to run up to one of them and try to maybe startle the mount into having it unhorse, unlizard. 
It's Ryder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My thought was like I could run up there and get some animal handling check and then probably use a bonus action to rage afterwards if I fail. Interesting. I mean, I'm definitely going to allow it. Okay. Um, we'll just see how it goes. It's, it's going to be challenging. Oh, no. Okay. So which one did you want to run towards of the two? That the one? one. Okay. You make it pretty close to the base of that stone pillar. Animal handling. Whatever that roll is. Uh, 12. It's, it's a mile away from us under the table. I see a 12. Okay, it's a 12, so that's a 17 total, and I'm totally ready to use my little bracelet thing to try to make this work. 17 is not good? 17 is not enough to dissuade this lizard from, like, the the riders of Bonn are extremely skilled animal craft handlers. I like, know this not, but at least I'll learn that. Yes. Um, I'm learning about this lizard. <laughs> No, I'll just let it be a fail and instead of trying to use my LUQ star for this small thing. That's fair. Your lucky star. Mm-hmm. My lucky star. No, I want it. No, pull a crest. Yeah. What's that? I don't know. Is it a one? <laughs> no, it was a six. Okay. Cool. Wasted thing. But, and then bonus rage action because it didn't work. So, so you, you start to like go towards the base of this pillar and shout up at this thing to try to get it to like knock the rider. And the failure makes the, lo- the shouting just louder and louder till you fly into a rage. Mm-hmm. For a moment, as you're running towards the pillar, Morty starts to follow you, but he immediately peels off and tackles the remaining Drav Ghoul <laughs> with a full Morty impact. Ooh, that's not great. What's their AC? Nah, not enough. Uh, so he basically gets his big paws up on it, but it's strong enough to hold him back. So they're kind of doing the, the doggy dance. <laughs> <laughs> that brings us to Harthax. Cool. I am going to... Let's see. Those two are hypnotized. That one's tied up with Arvid. Harthax is going to run 25 feet more or less towards the one that is not engaged with anybody yet. Mm -hmm. And as an action here in the dark, I'm going to use my one with shadows ability to turn invisible. Cool. So Harthax kind of goes running towards this thing and then just all of a sudden just disappears from sight. Just neat. Uh, And that's my movement and my action. And I already bonused actioned. So that's me. Very good. Okay, so the rider that is confronted by Arvid. Thanks for the air quotes. Well, I didn't want to say engage because you're not in close combat. Uh. The one you're yelling at, um, him and his mount moving as a very synchronized unit, run straight down. And when he gets about 10 feet away from you, he jumps off of the lizard and pulls the spear off of his back, which he tries to bring down on top of you. The second he releases, the slave takes control and pulls it back so it doesn't just run into the ground. You are now in close combat with both of them, and he is going to get his charge attack against you with his spear. So, trampling charge. Oh, no. I I boofed it. Uh-oh. <laughs> right up the ass. All right, that's not too bad. He misses, unfortunately, as you step out of the way and you hear a loud snap next to your ear as the spear impacts the ground and just breaks. He lands sure-footedly, but he is now down a melee weapon. I imagine his friend is just sitting there in in his his quarters with a file, slowly whittling through. He's like, this is going to piss him off so bad when we're in training. (laughs) Gotcha. (laughs) And then the dark Goanna is going to bite you. With a 16. That's just barely not a hit. And as you look at the rider that is still in the saddle chained to it, it looks like an elf of some kind covered in tattoos. 
Uh, the next one is going to, you see it had its arrow leveled at Harithax, and then it stops when you disappear, and it just goes up a little further and takes another shot at Artyom. Warning player. Yay, you remember. You usually do. That's a miss. <laughs> Would have missed either way. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, so it goes wide as a flash of light goes off. And as for the two on the southernmost pillar, they just remain transfixed by your hypnotic pattern, staring off into nothingness. So they just don't even get a check, huh? They just... Until something jostles them out of it. Gotcha. That brings us back to Artyom. Excellent. Artyom is going to place the shield in front of her, because I'm kind of still holding on to her. Mm. And I say, I plan to find Vornoi and make right what mistakes I made in the past. But for now, I kill your allies. My shield begins to glow, and from it, a guiding bolt is going to fire out, and I'm going to cast that bad boy at level 4, making it 66 radiant damage. Wowzers. And I'm going to hit the guy that Harthax is going for. Okay. That's critical failure. I'm going to use my luck thing. L-U-Q radiance goodness. That's better. (laughs) Can't be worse. That's a 20. That hits. Okay, cool. (laughs) It can't be worse. <laughs> Literally can't. I'd say a fourth level spell is worth spending it on. I think hmm. so too. That is a 23 damage. All right. So for a moment, the cavern is fully illuminated and this beam of hot sunlight energy strikes the rider. And you see when the light clears, his body hanging from the straps in his saddle, dangling down below where his mount is clung to the wall. Uh, he is dead. Anything else? Not a whole lot I can do, except uh, he's dead. No, I'm just going to keep holding her tight. All right. She's not going nowhere. Chris, your turn. Chris is going to take a moment to look around and survey the battlefield, and he sees like Arvid entangled with whatever the hell that beast thing is, and he's going to unleash a thunderous chromatic orb at the rider. Mm. Hopefully it blinds him. Did I use my attack modifier, so 15? Your spell attack modifier? Yeah. Yeah, that hits exactly. Oh, good. Woo! <laughs> it scared me. That's their AC. Woo! They're wearing leather. Aw. So go ahead and roll that sweet chromatic damage. It's a 3d8, I believe. Awesome. Yes, it is. That is 15. So, Arvid, you feel a huge collision into the stone next to you as Chris's spell slams right over your shoulder and crushes this guy's ribs and skull against the stone. And he falls over immediately dead at the impact. Oops. Arvid, wide-eyed, like, uh, okay, focus my attention elsewhere then. That brings us to Arvid. All right, Arvid is, he was gonna smash that guy, but the guy got smashed. So is Beast like, oh, my guy's dead. I guess I'll just sit here. It is under the control of the the slave riding it now. Okay. It seems like it's going to keep biting you. Mm. I'll shout to the slave, yield! And... Can Artyom say something there? Why not? Sure. They don't know what the hell that means. And then I say in... <laughs> I say in Drav, your masters are dead. Come with me if you want to be free. And... He's going to try to jump up on the lizard, and if there's too much resistance, he'll he'll get violent in the next turn. Okay, so go ahead and roll me another animal handling to try to mount this lizard. I lost both of my dice last turn. <laughs> you fucking chucked them like shot puts. Next time, I'm keeping them. I was going to say, yeah, Zach, Zach took them away from you like a parent picking up a, a, a negligent child's toys. 
that's that's not very good. Um, that was an eight with the five. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> yep. You are currently wrestling with the head of this lizard, trying to get control of it, and it is resisting with all of its lizardy might. Are you raging? Do you get advantage on strength? Thanks. This was not. A, this oh. was an animal handling, not a. It turns out uh, that animal handling isn't mostly wrestling animals, <laughs> despite what they might teach you in <laughs> sure. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. All right, that brings us to Harothax. All right, do these lizard creatures? Do they seem? any more intelligent than dogs like have i ever seen these creatures do i think that they would speak drakar no you don't think they have language bases they're, okay. they're moving like very much like mounts okay what is the slave that's on the nearest mount to me look like he's doing now that his rider is dead uh, what you see is what looks like a duragar that has been fully shaved of all of their hair and he's kind of wrestling like to get himself out of these shackles now that the rider is dead I think I'll just toll the dead, this lizard. Has it taken any damage from anything, or is it un... Not that one. Undamaged? Yeah, I'll just toll the dead it. It needs to make me a wisdom save. Okay. Ooh, it rolled a good wisdom save. It got a 16. <laughs> uh, I think a 16 still a fail for Harithax's spell hey. save. It is. Because nice. of my, my arm. It gives me plus one, which yeah, makes my spell save awesome. 17. Hell yeah. Eight points of necrotic damage all right it lets out a <laughs> and Harthax becomes visible again of course yeah. all right for the enemy's turn the two that no longer have riders it seems like the slaves are trying to control them and get them down to the ground level so that they can either dismount or seek help or let you kill them mercilessly they don't really have a lot of options right now and, and is it depressing that I think that they're probably okay with the idea of being killed? <laughs> it's just like, well, I guess so. <laughs> right. So those two do manage to slowly clamber their way down. This one still has a drow hanging from it, the one furthest to east there, just limply cooked to death from sunlight, and they make it to ground level. The other one, the guy's still just hypnotized, staring at your pattern, and you all hear a snapping sound as you look up and you see the slave behind him a very muscular elf with more tattoos all over his body. But this one also has what looks like ears that used to be pierced with a lot of jewelry, but they're just removed. So they're kind of wide open, hanging uh, rings of flesh in his body. Um, he looks like he has a lot of scarification and whip marks, but he has wrapped his shackled arms around the helmet and the helmet has turned around backwards. <laughs> I do that too much. I'm sorry. It's very good. He stands out, though, in that he doesn't look like a dark elf. His skin is actually quite pale, almost seafoam. And uh, oh. he slowly tries to get the mount down from this pillar. And they converge near the bases, confused, looking to your group. I turn to what I assume is the sea elf. Mm-hmm. And I say in common, the sun meets the sea again. He opens his mouth and you see nothing but scarification where a tongue once was. I will get you all. He does seem to be holding up his shackles as a gesture to you, like almost like in fear, but asking a question. I nod to him, see if there's any way I can undo them. Yeah, you have enough control of magic, fire magic and thaumaturgy to kind of burn it away until he can snap them. Cool. And he uses a very primitive version of the drow hand sign, probably something he just picked up from watching them. And he says, my name is Garshan Mistkeeper. Is that the boy? Wasn't it Shira Mistkeeper? Wasn't that her name? I 
reach out and I put my hand on the side of his head and I bring him in for a hug. He's confused and fights a little, but eventually allows it to happen. Then why are you hugging that uh, slave? Anyone else deeply uncomfortable right now? I think it's sweet. I don't think he's related to you based off of complexion. We're going to get him home. This is Miss Keeper's brother. <gasps> oh. She'll never stop looking for you. He signals, I believe you. She's alive. She survived. I nod. And tears just start welling at the sides of his face, and he's wiping them away with, like, shackled hands, leaving bruises. The other two seem more terrified than he does. He has a little bit more confidence and composure. Um, those two are, like, on their knees near the saddles, waiting for you to kill them. Artem, are these creatures useful while we're down here, or will they just return to their masters? Their life does not begin and end in their usefulness. I run over to them, and I, and like, with a big smile on my face, I start breaking their chains and, and picking them up and just, like, laughing, like completely ignoring what's what's surrounding us. The fact that we're in the middle of the Underdark, mm -hmm. he's just laughing. Artem, I meant the lizards, not the slaves. Oh, <laughs> sorry. I, um, uh, I mean, if you can tame them, they tend to be very closely bonded with their riders, so this all depends on whether Arvid has the skills for this. It doesn't seem like it. <laughs> he's, like, still wrestling with this giant lizard, like, biting into his neck. Uh, regardless, with... A little effort, you manage to get these slaves free of the shackles that attach them to the saddles, and you have the three corpses of these Calvier uh, Bond riders that you have killed. If you don't do anything, then their Goannas are going to scamper back up and return to the Umbragia. Harthax would definitely probably kill the lizards before letting them scamper off, just because I don't know if they'll go back to the hive, and then the hive will realize, oh, look, you know. Artyom, what are they called? Goanna. Goanna? Goanna. Um, is there a way to hobble them like you would a horse? With like bat poop? A better idea. I turn to the Durgar and I say in broken half of a functioning Durgar, can you ride? He kind of gives a double thumbs up. One of his thumbs is like broken sideways. <gasps> Do you want to help free other slaves? The drow slave says yes. The Durgar slave says I'd rather die. I nod to him. Would you wish to come to the surface with us or go back to your people? He signals, and he seems like he's picked up a little bit of the drow hand side ah. tune, so he can manage to communicate. He seems like weirdly intelligent, despite how terrified he was when you were all slaughtering people with magic. And he says, there's probably not much life left in me. I'm going to go hunt them down. Take the lizard and do well. He picks up the spear. He shoulders the bow. And before he goes, I show him the pink prick and I show him the maker's mark. He nods to that. I cast guidance on the Druger as he leaves. Yeah, I was going to like, can I inspire him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he is going to take the weapons and he's going to go off on the on the revenge trail to find some more Bond riders. I want to read the story. Yes! <laughs> it sounds like a... Yeah. yeah. If we take a short rest, I can cast Death Ward on him so he gets one, <laughs> one freebie. The other one doesn't seem like a Drav, but is one of the slaves of Calvier Bond and will follow you, confused but doesn't seem like he's trying to put up a fight. What what is the what's going on with the clothes of the riders that we killed? The like the the actual riders. Some of them are singed and damaged from battle, but otherwise they're all intact. Are they like very specific? Do they look like a uniform? Yes, very much so. As Arvid starts like picking over the clothes of everybody, he'll just be like, "We can buy you clothing." <laughs> <laughs> no, I I'm just thinking 
it may come in handy later. Uh, I think I can. I think I can mimic these beasts. I've given up on on trying to control them, and if you can't beat them, join them. Right. <laughs> That is brilliant. Arvid, are you thinking about disguises? Don't say the word. They always say no. (laughs) Arvid, this is the best situation I've ever heard for disguise. I'm very excited about this prospect. The only problem is what we do with her. She has a sour look on her face and frowning. Artyom, how long does this pool usually take to dissolve a body? Quite a while. It's low acidity. Um, so probably like a month. Okay. Quite a long time. Pity. Well. And what were you thinking? Well, I was thinking about disposing of the evidence. Oh, I'm sure we can, we can up the acid, right? Just puke into it. <laughs> Arvid has started putting the uniforms up next to Artyom, being like, hmm. Artyom suddenly gets kind of a look on his face. Holds up his hand. We need to go. There's blood in the air. I immediately start, like, grabbing clothes off of anything I can find and dragging bodies to the pit. Yeah, Karova and Utka help you. They, they pick up on what you're putting down right away, and you get two of the remaining uniforms that aren't completely scorched away, and uh, two of the saddles. And Yeah. <laughs> and you flee from the area with some haste, and you can even hear, as you're escaping, the sounds of large bones clicking behind you. The sounds of large creatures grinding their bodies against the stone at the smell of the blood. And with Karova and Utka leading you, and now Zmaya much more under your protection and being watched carefully, you travel south out of the Glovnoya Flats, through a huge stone opening into another smaller subterranean expanse. The earth transitions from hard cold stone to dark dry soil. Stalactites hang ominously overhead dropping tiny beads of water into small, weak canals that run through what look like bleak, dark fields. There are rows of workers, digging, planting, uprooting, and chanting softly. Far from music, just weak, half-hearted rhythm that seems to set their pace. Every new stanza of this sad song is emphasized, with the sound of a shield and weapon colliding, as tall figures in polished armor pace the fields watching over them. Pale woven baskets overflowing with twisting root vegetables are peppered throughout the field. And far in the distance, in an adjoining cavern, is a dimly lit village. The buildings look like at one time they may have been lovely. Thick stone walls forming smooth organic shapes that seem to lock together, creating settlements and structures. But the outer layer seems to be corroded away, leaving a sad drab gray. There's no glass to be found in the windows. Small groups huddle together outside of communal cook pots. These are the Drav, beaten down for their years of existence, robbed of mirth and worked to the bone. Your group stays near the walls. As you approach the village, you manage to avoid a group of five Thar knights that are wearing tall, dark helmets with hooked spears. They seem to be moving between the city and the field patrolling, but you evade them easily. Led by the refugees who found you, you make your way into the village and pass by a very tall tower called the Aptikar. The apothecary center. The sound of muffled screams come from deep within. A series of caves snake off from the walls around the village, leading deep into the dangerous untamed Umbragia that surround this ancestral home of a people who have suffered. You have arrived at Artyom's ancestral home, Drogondrov. (laughs) 
You know there's nothing quite like the bond between a rider and their mount. Sure, having a dog's great, and I mean great, but there's something almost divine about horses. Of course, in this case, we're talking about giant lizards, so it's anybody's guess if it's the same kind of bond. It's also a deadly duo to face on the battlefield. A well-trained rider and an intelligent beast of burden with all the requisite claws and teeth for combat efficiency. The MDs are coming out swinging hard, and I'm sure these drow regret the targets they chose to ambush. Not to mention a nice splash of the old cleric bass drum, with a juicy turn undead to make bark mulch out of those slack-jawed zombies. Now they just need to learn how to turn giant lizards. You know, Kip, I had a mount I cared deeply for. Long ago, in a better time. Now that seems like a pretty nice thing to have while adventuring. This was more than just some hooved taxi, Kip. This was my pal. Yep, he helped a teenage storm explore the world for the first time on his own. Schlepped me through my military service. Even carried me into battle for quite a few of my greenhorn quests. Aww, well, it sounds like a wonderful horse. Hey, what was it named? I named him after my favorite thing in the whole world. Sandwiches. Yep, me and Sammy would travel back and forth from the estate to the northern tribe lands every weekend. Go swimming in forest watering holes, kick jerks into the mud, chase down a few kobolds and give them a spook, knock back cold brewskis by the campfire. Damn, that horse could drink. Oh, I'm sure you miss him. Of course I miss him. Unfortunately, he got a mean case of traveler's jaw, so a friend of mine offered to take him to a farm in the south. Place was softer grass. A stable of young mares what needed breeding and all the jerks he could kick. Old man loved kicking jerks. Uh, farm down south? Isn't that what parents tell their kids when the dog passes away? What? Well, sure, I guess. But I already know he's dead. Geez, Kip. Horses live like 30 years tops. He wasn't some immortal horse wizard. <laughs> that would be pretty tight. Equinomancy. The forbidden magic. But yeah, I literally took him down to a farm in the south. Dropped him off myself. I was getting into some high-tier action, and the LUQ arena's no place for a tough old farm horse. Oh, <laughs> well that's great. Uh, sounds like a lovely place to spend your twilight years. Yep. I just hope that farmer gave him a gallon of ale before bedtime like I asked. Sandwiches had a bit of a drinking problem. I blame myself. Spoiled him. And speaking of getting spoiled, let's see what this week's ads have to offer. Stick around for more fantasy action after this break. Well, you did it. You gone and dung did it, I suppose. <sighs> Even the most gentle, trickling stream will eventually corrode its way through the mightiest of mountains. Hey, it's me, Philip. Hey, the biscuit kid. Well, it appears that in the past year or two that two major truths have been revealed unto me. One, that people will buy biscuits from a kid with a little wooden cart if they seen them on the scriv. The other, that once you get a catchphrase or like a trademark type vocalization, well, that's you until you die. So I saved up all my biscuit winnings and now I'm opening up a brick and mortar, so to speak, and uh, by popular demand, and I do mean demand, we, uh, that is to say I, am doubling the menu size to two items. Now we specialize in biscuits and beans. Yep, you win, I surrender. We got beans on the menu. Try to walk your own path and define your own identity, but everybody just keeps hammering in with this beans, kid. Oh, why don't you have beans? So I'm just, we're doing this. So come on down to Trilly and check out my new digs. We got tables and plates and the whole shebang. It's pretty classy. Get some biscuits and, well, I, I guess get, get some of them beans, too. All beans, them some good biscuits. 
Come on down, y'all. I just, I just give up. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Greetings, LU cuties. It's been a wild ride taking the League of Ultimate Questing as far as we have. We would have never imagined we'd be where we are two years ago. This has been a project of passion and learning for everyone involved. And from the start, we've been eager to see what kind of changes would help guide us into the future. Later this year, we'll be moving forward into a whole new season of the League of Ultimate Questing, with a new story, some new faces, and new epic adventures to share. I'm very excited to be handing off the Dungeon Master's seat to Zack, who's been making huge plans for the next part of our story. I'll get to play as a player at the table, and I'm honestly looking forward to it very much. You'll be finding out more as the months progress. There'll be tasty teasers and new information as it becomes available. But this is happening. Slapdash will keep bringing you the D&D comedy and action-packed narrative in a one-of-a-kind setting that only the League of Ultimate Questing can provide. Prepare yourselves for LUQ Season 2, Battle Axes. I know you have a lot of questions, and we will be happy to answer them as soon as we find out all the remaining details. It has been an absolute privilege to play under Law's masterful DMing, and while I know I can never fill his shoes, I hope to live up to the example he has set while bringing a whole new style to this show that we built together. As Law mentioned before, we chose episode 103 for this announcement because it marks our two-year anniversary, a major milestone, and we've only come this far because of the support of listeners like you and contributions from our Patreon subscribers. This week's featured legendary team is the Iron Rhapsody, with Eshwin, Krista Perez, Christopher Mashburn, and John Reinhardt. Thank you so much. Last week, we declared this month our anniversary, so that we could build up a hype train for the new season. The air date of Battle Axis is still a few months away, and we want the launch to be huge. So jump on our social media, share us with friends, and really get the word out. We're going to be updating more frequently in the coming weeks with new announcements, promo videos, and more. You can find links to our social media on theluq.com, as well as links to our merch store. Use the promo code LUQ100 for free shipping through February 9th. Every Monday at 7pm PST, we are premiering new episodes on Twitch. You can find our streaming schedule at twitch.tv forward slash slapdash streams. Join us tonight to listen to this episode again with commentary from cast and crew. Join us tomorrow for Laws and my second take at Pokemon XY since we got spanked so hard the first time. If you want to make new friends who love the show, join our Discord channel for instant updates and announcements or just to hang out with the community. We hope you're as excited as we are to move into this new chapter of LUQ. Stay tuned to our social media for more announcements, but enough out of me. Let's get you back to the action. Something big is coming. The Nexus Enterprise is changing the game. More LUQ. 
square of the somber village of Drogendrop. All eyes are upon you as you arrive with these refugees. You hear whispers from windows. You see children grabbing what could be their mother's legs in confusion. But there's no affection here. These people simply exist side by side. Off in the distance, you can hear the banging of weapons against shields as the workers toil in the fields endlessly. And quickly you are ushered to one of the communal buildings to be put into hiding, out of sight. They move away a large rug, where deep into the ground they have carved away a hidden compartment. It's much larger than you would think from up here, the size of another building underneath, a massive basement. And down here, there are a group of Drov who do not seem as defeated as the others. It seems like they have been gathering resources, making whatever they can into weapons, what was once a gardening hoe or a shovel is now a makeshift polearm. What was once a leather working apron is now armor against the weapon. They're covered in wounds, but you're guessing that as far as the resistance in Drogondrov goes, this is the best they can offer. There are maybe 10 Drov down here. And as you enter this basement, Karova pulls the covering back over it to keep it concealed. And it's very dark in here, but there are a couple of phosphorescent mushrooms planted into pots around the room that light it up dimly. He says, This is best we can offer for resistance. Uh, village grows smaller with each passing day as they come and they kill or recruit. This is your unit, General Volkov. Ugh, do not say this. Oh. Is it true what they say? When the whispers of your heroic deeds came to us, we also heard that our past is maybe not what it seems. This is not the draft, I say, my voice getting louder, loud enough for everybody to hear. This is a lie. None of you were born to this. This servitude. The Drav were once warriors. Generals. Among the strongest of the hives. They used magic, trickery, and poison. To take your memories, rob you of your pride and your history. And I helped them. If we were warriors, then where are our histories? They took them from you. I was their poisoner. It was in your food, your drinking water. Did you know? No. I thought I was helping. I was your doctor. But it turns out, I was your end. But with your help, I can be your beginning. If we gather as many as we can, we should flee in the morning. If those who stay behind are too stubborn, I fear there is nothing we can do. You have a way out, and I think you should take it. The rest of them will have to be converted later. Can we survive in the surface world? I know you told me the sun is not as uh, powerful as we may have feared, but the humans, 
Да. Плиз. Ми не турест. Сит. Я ви кажу історію про Дон. I open my hands, and from it a small orb of actual true sunlight, just enough to light the room. They wince. And then I tell them everything about my life from the moment I left. I would just like to work in concert and start an unearthly chorus. Just make sure that that both their hearts and mind are open to what our team has to say. You're certain that for this room of Drav Renegades... That this is the first time they're actually seeing a facsimile of sunlight and the first time they're hearing music. And you can see it hits hard. As they take it in and as I watch that familiar look fall upon their face, I turn to the others and I say, There it is. That's what changed me. The light of the sun and the first time I heard music. That's all they really need. As I say that, I kind of stand up and I put my hand on Chris's shoulder and say, thank you. For what? For doing what needed to be done. And I kind of walk a little bit away from the group and sit in the corner. Christ, I've never gotten a thank you. No, I have once. No, no, never mind. Harthax's tail kind of gently goes over Ah. Arvid's mouth (laughs) and then pushes Chris towards Artyom. All right. Oh, Gently. Oh, yes. Oh, all right. I, I I will go and join Artem. You see him sitting in the corner holding in his hand what looks like a candlelight. And he's just staring at it. Hmm. I'm going to take a moment and use my magic and mirror what he's doing. So this is your home. As close to one as I'll ever have. Hmm. I know this isn't the time or place for this, but do you hate me? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> why, why are you laughing? <laughs> this, this is, this is not... How is this a stupid question? Are you kidding me right now? No, I'm sorry. This is just... This is very you. This is very you to ask this question. No, I do not hate you. Forgive me if I find that a dad hard to believe. It was smart. The book thing, it was smart. It wouldn't have occurred to me. Hmm. It just isn't in my nature anymore. Or maybe it is, but I pushed it down. Either way, you did something smart and you deserve to get credit for it. I, I have to admit, I do not know what to do with that. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I hate it. You have to understand, Chris, I never had a family. The only people who've been close to me have been psychopaths and murderers. Look at them. Look at that woman. And I gesture over to Znaya. She's just brooding in the corner. That, that is the sister of the man who raised me. The only good drive I've ever known, other than myself and my brother. This is what he was raised in. This is what I was raised in. And my brother... He is aiding them in their horrors. I have watched everything I loved turn into dust. Our history taken from us. And the thought of you, little, little good boy Christ, who always did the right thing for everybody, doing something bad, it was more than I could take. 
I hear you. I understand. Maybe it's because we're just far too similar. Your story is so close to mine. But the difference is, I might end the entire world just by existing. Just by being who I am, what I am, without my choice, I could destroy the world. Every life, every creature, everything. But that would not be you. It would not, but... <clears throat> be strong. I have to be strong. It's the only way I know how to face any of this. Christ. <laughs> you don't have to be strong. And you don't have to do what they say. And if they make you do something you did not want to do, then it was not you who did it. It They used me like a tool to poison my people. You, I know you understand. And I know you, you will understand what I'm about to say. I think there is a part of me that wants to destroy the world. And that scares me the most. There is a part of me that wanted to slit your throat on that dock and take your money. But that part of me is gone now. Do you remember long ago? Mm. The first job we did. <laughs> when we were trying to... Uh, what was it? Talk to the woman of the night. The, the, the prostitute. Yes. yes. <laughs> and, then, and then we were standing there in the boat. <laughs> and and uh, you were offering... Was I off, who was offering to try and do the work? Like we were saying we were going to help him lift things? Like, yes. Like they needed more stevedores. <laughs> and that somehow we were somehow going to be able to help him with this. Oh, uh, those days. I honestly did not understand why, why you would spend money like this. And I thought, eh, if your only value is money, then maybe I take this. But it is you people who taught me that that's not what this is about. That a person's value is not in these, these simple terms. And your, your, your nature doesn't have to be who you are. Mm -hmm. Your weapon, be weapon for good. I really need to be that. That's what I did. Artyom. I just don't know what to do with you. I hate you so much sometimes. But I love you even more. <laughs> Thank you. I've definitely grown accustomed to you all. I'm not gonna dare to ask you for a hug. Hmm. But... I'm a little tired. Oh. And he kind of hunkers down a little bit and puts his head on your shoulder. The draw of the sleep makes to each other because he gets very cold. And with that, I want to use some of my empathy and my arcane magic and just fill as much of this space with warmth. Warmth of fire warmth of light and warmth of putting to rest some long long-standing demons get some sleep out of it you'll need it i'll keep watch and i pull out my staff and i cast arcane eye and i just send it up above the floorboards and mm -hmm. just watch above the trap door and harathax will just maintain vigil 
Very good. And as the room fills with this arcane comfort, one by one, almost all of the drow renegades find sleep, as well as the mortal dawn. Shoulder to shoulder, like comrades in close proximity, except for Harithax, who remains up focusing on the clairvoyance of their arcane eye. And you can tell that some of the other drav down here have a similar idea. A couple of them take shifts throughout the night to go above and move about the city, keep their eye on the people of Drogondrav, keep their eye on the area surrounding the village. One of them is Karova. And after a very awkward but comfortable night's rest, with your arcane eye, you see Karova come running, moving the rug aside and clamoring down into the secret space. And he immediately moves over to Artyom, grabbing you by the shoulders and shaking you awake. Mm, he says, Sir, it's... It's Vornoy. He is here. And he is waiting for you. It would appear that rebellion is in the air as a few brave Drav warriors prepare for a coming battle with the controlling nation. Of course, with the aid of the Mortal Dawn. Oh yeah, things are about to get real spicy in Beat Town. Damn, I wish I'd been in a rebellion at some point. It's always been on my bucket list. Well, that seems pretty specific. Uh, does it matter what the cause is? Well, obviously a good rebellion. I don't want to rebel against like tipping bartenders or hospitals. Just good old fashioned stick it to the man rebellion. A bunch of toughs all hanging out and swapping war stories, sharpening knives, striking at night, music to my ears. Ah, truly a poetic experience. I will admit that seeing a group of heroes help to change the tides of a war, even a war being fought in secret, gives me even more pride in our teams. Yeah, but when you're a pack of Chewinis going up against a legion of direwolves, you're going to need more than a few big dog ringers to take on the W. It's going to be a hell of a fight. Join us next time as the Mortal Dawn stand face to face with the final battle for Drogon Drav. Will the hideous hive hierarchy hold the humble homestead? Or will the rebellious uprising be ready for the challenge? Find out next time on the League of Ultimate Questing. <laughs> That's got some feelings. Yeah. That was that was a very touching scene, you two. Thank you. For me, that was... that was. Oh, <laughs> shit. You want to try this one, Sam? Too many feelings? Yeah. Uh, you have just been listening to The League of Ultimate Questing. On NPR. <laughs> <laughs> our, uh, our players include myself, Sam Frost playing Arvid Ultimand. Myself, Michael Loving playing Harthax. Myself, Alante Barricat playing Chris Sagrand. Uh, myself, <laughs> Zach Marcus, uh, playing Artyom Volkov, the Cleric of Sunlight and Suffering. Me, Law, me, Dungeon Master, and Creative Director. <sighs> Our website is theluq.com. There you can find links to everything else. Um, consider checking out our Discord. Not that we like need more Patreon support, but you can always support us more. Mm -hmm. uh, but especially reach out to your friends and loved ones and uh, whoever else might be around and let them know that they should uh, tune their ear in. Definitely the thing that we need is, yeah. is more listeners telling more listeners about the show to get more listeners. Yeah. And that way we can all uh, grow and quest together. Until next time, we wish you luck. Beautiful. It was very un-Sam, but it was also very nice. That's very professional, Sam. 
Well, you Next got me all feeling we, sad feeling. Next she, up, we have a jazz marathon. I noticed an interview with. <laughs> Next up, we have jazz plus jazz equals jazz. <laughs> I liked I liked this I liked the stall from Sam after not giving the HTTP colon slash slash www. She just said the luq.com and then she sounded like she wasn't quite sure where to go next because she hadn't given the whole URL. Yeah. 